How many believe he's a good father? Not only a good father, but a good, good father. How many times do you tell God he's a good father? Well, let me just encourage you to start telling him he's a good father. Do you think he needs to be reminded? No. I think he wants to be reminded. Because what's that saying? We're believing he's a good father. So I believe with all of my heart, God is a good, good father in your highs and in your lows, in your goods and in your bads and in between. God is still the same God. Amen. Do you believe that with me this morning? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Well, we're still in our Ecclesiastes series. But as we get started today, let me ask you a question that I already know the answer to. But how many of you have ever seen, maybe especially this time of year, a huge flock of geese flying in the sky in their V formation? I mean, sometimes it's almost like a perfect V, and I think, why do they do that? And I think, how in the world do they do that? I also found out that they not only fly in a V formation, sometimes they swim in a V formation. But if you've ever gone out on a crisp fall day or early winter's day and see a huge group of geese flying across the sky in this beautiful V formation, I mean, it's overwhelming. But I found out why they fly in a V formation. Each bird, as it flaps its wings, actually gives lift to the bird behind it. So there's a purpose. They can fly easier, they can fly faster, and they can fly farther. They actually, I found out, can fly 71% farther by flying in that V formation, in a flock working together. And this is amazing, too. If a goose is not paying attention and it drops out of the, the line, it suddenly re, it realizes right away because of the drag on its body, the resistance of the air on its body. So it quickly jumps back into formation to take advantage of the birds ahead of them that are flapping their wings. Another amazing thing is when this goose, and I don't know how they know this, this has to be a God thing, but whenever the lead point goose gets tired, he just drops out of the formation, uh, out of the point of the formation and goes back down the line somewhere and another goose just steps up and fills in. And when you hear these goose squawking and honking way high in the sky, they can be a mile up and you can hear them honking. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking they're just encouraging each other to keep going. They're honking to keep up the pace, keep going. And another amazing thing about these geese is whenever one gets sick or whenever one gets wounded or hurt or shot down, two other geese actually leave the flock, leave the bee formation, and go down to the ground with this bird and protect it. They go down and they help it until it either dies or it gets better. And when it gets better, they join another flock that's coming by or they will... Uh, help each other to fly as fast as they can to catch up with their original flock. I said all this to say it's amazing how they support each other and they work together. This allows these Canadian geese to fly up to 400 to 500 miles at an average of 55 miles an hour, 10 or 12 hours a day to get to warmer climate, to get to uh, their destination. I'm thinking that's pretty amazing. How about you? Pretty amazing for these birds to think like that, to act like that, and do what they're doing. You might be saying, well, yeah, that's amazing, but what does it have to do with the book of Ecclesiastes and what Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes? It actually has a whole lot, because I believe these geese understand a principle that was laid out by Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, a long time ago, where he simply says this. He says, 
Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Solomon said that. The wisest, richest king that ever lived that wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he actually wrote this book saying basically that without God, everything under the sun, everything that we do and put our hopes in on this earth is really meaningless. It's really nothing. So I've titled this message today, Two's Company. Two's Company. Solomon, I believe in this text, is going to actually point out the value, the benefits, the importance of family and friends. I'm talking about true family and friends. And if you remember from last week, I talked about when Solomon wrote this book. He actually wrote it as an old man. I'll say a lonely old man, even though he lived in this huge palace, amazing palace. Took him 14 years to build. Even though he lived in this amazing palace, had incomparable riches, even though he had a thousand women. We talked a little bit about that last week. I'm not sure that's a blessing, but anyway, he had a thousand women. Sorry, ladies. But I believe he's going to teach us the value of family and friends because even though he had all that, he was still lonely. He had no real, genuine, true family and friends. And even though this was written 3,000 years ago, even though it was written 3,000 plus years ago, I believe it's still so relevant to the world that we live in today, to the culture that we live in today, to the problems and issues that we face today. I heard a recent news story that probably illustrates this uh, best. Anybody ever heard of the game Minecraft? Some of you played it. Some of your kids are playing it on the computers. But the founder, Marcus Person, sold his creation to Microsoft for $2.5 billion dollars. He sold this Minecraft game to Microsoft for $2.5 million and then decided he was going to retire. I think you could almost retire on $2.5 billion, amen? He goes out and he buys a $70 million house. He goes out and he buys expensive cars, expensive clothes, expensive everything, and he's throwing nonstop parties. You might say this guy, just like Solomon, had it all. He had everything you could imagine, but look what he really thinks. He kind of exposes his real thoughts in some uh, tweets that he sent out on Twitter that to me sound a whole lot like Solomon, sound a whole lot like the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll give you a few of them. The first one uh, I read was, the problem, he says, with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying. That's a good one. And human interaction, he says, becomes impossible due to the imbalance. In another tweet, he said, hanging out in luxury with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, should be a great thing. But he says, I've never felt more isolated in my life. In another tweet, he said, when we sold the company, the biggest effort went into making sure that the employees got taken care of, and now they all hate me. Then in another tweet, he says, I found a great girl, but she's afraid of me and my lifestyle, and she went with a normal person instead. I'm saying that this very successful man, according to world standards, really wants things I believe that money can't buy. He's really wanting real, genuine, true family and friends. He's really wanting genuine, true uh, relationships. I think this guy looks at a wife and a normal life to him, and it sounds basically like an escape from his prison of, I'll just say, lonely success. He might be successful on every level, earthwise, but he's still lonely. There's something missing in his life. I'd say it's easy to tell. His findings are pretty much like Solomon's findings. So I believe us as very wise and smart people in this room, and I'm giving most of us the benefit of the doubt, amen, I believe that God has something to say to us and that we ought to be paying attention 
to what Solomon is about to say to us on the theme of family and friends. Solomon is also, like this guy in the story, a lonely man sitting on his own big stack of money, but saying there are at least four benefits to having put our investment or our energy into pursuing genuine relationships. I mean true family, true friends. I'll give you that in a moment, but I heard one time a guy say, if you ever see a turtle sitting on the top of a fence post, you know one thing, that turtle didn't get there by themselves, amen? I mean, think how true that is. Well, the same is true for you and I. No matter who you are, where you are in life, how you are in life, you didn't get there by yourself. We had others in our life that contributed to our life. So when it comes to relationships, first of all, our relationship with God, the vertical relationship, and when it comes to the horizontal relationships with everyone around us, I believe that's really what gives life the real joy that God planned, the real uh, meaning, purpose, fulfillment that God had intended in the first place because that's what he intended in the first place. Do you know that God designed you for relationship? God created you and I to have relationships. I mean, all the way back to the garden. Even though he first created Adam first, Eve was still on his radar screen. Do you know that? He was going to uh, uh, create Eve pretty soon, within a matter of days. And he tells us why in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when he says, it is not good for man to be alone. Pretty simply put, God didn't create us to exist by ourselves. So I'm just saying God knew the importance. God knew what was important to his creation, that everybody needs somebody. Everybody that he's ever created needs somebody, and he also knew that loners live lonely lives. Look what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. He says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. He says, it's a miserable business. I kind of think Solomon's describing himself as that man right there. It's a miserable business to think all these things will please you when they won't. I mean, guys that golf, what good is a new set of golf clubs if you don't have time to swing them? Amen? What good is a golf game if you don't have friends uh, to share it with you? I mean, what good are those things? What good is a boat if it just sets in the dock and rots in the water while you're out trying to make more money? And think about this one. What good is a big house if you don't have kids or grandkids running around in it or friends to come over and visit? In this story, it's talking a man, about a man who put all of his eggs, I'll say in the money-making basket. He put all of his eggs in the money-making basket, but at the expense of his family and friends. He chose riches over relationships he was rich and he worked hard all of his life, but with all of that money and success, he had no one to share it with at the end of his life. So there are two types of relationships that God designed you and I to have. The first one is, of course, vertical, a relationship with God. The next one is a horizontal relationship with others. And without each or, or both of these, um, I believe our life isn't going to track the way God wants it to track. I believe that we're going to go a little bit sideways. So I want to give you four points today, if you're going to take notes, four points that I believe Solomon brings out in these texts that are so relevant to the world we live in today. The first one is, two accomplishes more. Two people can accomplish more than one person. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 4.9. 
Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. That kind of makes sense. Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. I believe it's true that two can reach more than one. Two can do more than one. Two can make more than one. I believe there's power in numbers. I believe there is. There's power in the right numbers. Cheryl and I were on our porch not too long ago, and we looked up in the sky, and we saw this huge hawk flying by. And it was a beautiful hawk, but the amazing thing, thing was there was like five little blackbirds buzzing around it, tormenting this flock to death. I mean, they wouldn't leave this, uh, this hawk to death. They wouldn't uh, leave it alone. Finally, this hawk flies up into a tree to get away from these little birds. They followed him right up into the tree, I guess letting him know they meant business. And I'm thinking as I see this big hawk in the tree, okay, guys, if, if just one of you were here, that hawk would have you for lunch. Amen? But they're all buzzing around him to prove that they mean business. And it was kind of comical almost to see how they formed this little gang that did have some intimidation factor over this hawk. I, would, I was thinking, I don't care if there were six birds, ten birds, this hawk could still overpower them. So what I'm saying is their little gang of five or six, it was effective. Have you ever heard someone say about a worker, that guy can do the work of two guys? You ever heard him say that? I've heard him say that. Not always about me, but I've heard him say it about other people. <laughs> well, it sounds good, but really when you think about it, it's impossible. One man cannot do the work of two men unless those men are weak, unless those men are lazy. Only two men, when you really think about it, can do the work of two men. That's the same principle that we're talking about in this text today. When two men work together, two men work together, they might have to share their profits and their success, but they're going to accomplish a whole lot more when they work together. Their profits are going to be a whole lot more in the end as they accomplish more together than they ever could by themselves. How many know that the highest paid lawyers in our land are lawyers that work in firms? They're not lawyers that work by themselves. They're lawyers that work alongside other lawyers. Well, you know, the church can be just as effective, I say more effective, in the bigger picture than a lawyer ever could. When you and I pull together, when you and I work together, you and I can accomplish a whole lot more than we could ever accomplish on our own. We need to get that deep down in our spirit because that's the way God designed us and created us to work as a unit called the church to reach out and do what God has called us to do. He's called us to work together. There's power in numbers. We can do more together than we could ever do alone. I don't care how talented or gifted you are. When you put us all together, we're unstoppable. And that was God's design. Has it ever occurred to you that there are three main things that we need, but none of us can have them by ourselves? Don't we all need companionship? Yeah, we do. But no one can be a companion to themselves. Don't we all need counsel from time to time? But no one can be a counselor to themselves. Don't we all need comfort from time to time? but none of us can be a comfort to ourselves. What I'm saying is I'm going right along with Solomon and what he's already said. Two are better than one. Two are always better than one. Two achieve more, two accomplish more, two equal more. That's point number one. Point number two is two equals more support. You can get more support out of two than you can one. Verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity, pity anyone. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Did you catch that? He says, pity the one that doesn't have anyone there to help pick them up. We all stumble, right? We've all stumbled in life, every one of us. Some of us, you probably stumbled today. And you really needed somebody to pick you back up. 
Sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual. But even in a perfect world, think about God. Even in a perfect world, back in the Garden of Eden, God told two perfect people that it's not good for you to be alone. That's why we need people. That's why we need each other. The fact is, when we walk down this rocky road of life, and I don't care how spiritual you are, this still is a rocky road of life. No matter how long we walk down this rocky road of life, there are at least two times when we're going to fall. One way is just by accident. We fall by accidents all the way through life. But another way, a big way, is when people push you down, when people knock you down. But really, no matter how you fall, no matter who did it or how it happened, we all know those times are coming, and we all know that we need somebody at that time to pick us back up. How many times have you gone out in the wintertime and especially in the wintertime, could happen any time, but go out in the wintertime, turn on your car, or try to turn on your car, and the engine won't turn over. Have you ever done that? You've got a dead battery or a weak battery that's too weak to start your car. So what do you do? You go find somebody with a set of jumper cables and a good battery in their car, and what do they do? They give you a jump start. Well, I think on those terms, God is telling us as the family of God to do the same thing for other people, to get into their lives and give them an emotional sometimes and a spiritual jump start to those that have fallen, those that are hurting, those that are in need. I heard a story about two soldiers that were dear friends, and they were fighting in a battle together. One, one, of, the friends, soldiers, he, one of the soldiers was in a foxhole. The other was crawling from one foxhole to another. Bullets were flying all around them during this battle, and his friend gets fatally wounded. Well, this guy in the foxhole sees his friend get shot, and his immediate reaction is to jump out of that foxhole and go get his friend. Well, his commander was in the foxhole next to him, and he says, don't bother, he's already dead. Don't waste your time, don't risk your life. Well, this guy ignored his commander's orders, and he just ran for it. Ran all the way through bullets flying all around him, grabbed his buddy on his shoulder, picked him up and brought him back to his foxhole. When he got back, he found out his buddy was dead. He also found out that he was wounded. He had gotten shot rescuing his buddy. His commander says, I told you so. He said, look what you've done. He said, what a waste. And this soldier looked at his commander and said, with all respect, sir, it was not a waste. When I got to my buddy, he was still alive. And he whispered into my ear, I knew you would come back for me. I knew you wouldn't leave me. Let me just say, when I hear a story like that, that's a dependable friend. That's a friend that's going to stick by you no matter what's going on. That's a dependable, faithful friend, which I think we need to be to the world around us, and I think we need that from the world around us. Amen? We need to be the dependable friends. That's why two are better than one. When one falls, then another can come along and pick them back up. You know, you might be here today, and you might have a lot of people you call acquaintances, but how many people do you have that you can call real, genuine, true, faithful friends? You might have a lot of acquaintances, but how many genuine, true friends do you, do you really have? Someone suggested you'll know you lived a successful life when you die, because at the end of your life, you'll know it's successful if you have at least six guys to carry your casket <laughs> as pallbearers during the funeral. I wouldn't necessarily classify that as a successful life, but you might be wondering, what's the difference between an acquaintance and a friend? That's simple. When you get in trouble, the friend's going to be the one that's still with you through the trouble. Amen? And you may not have as many of those around you as you thought you did. 
But a friend is the kind of person, if you call that person at 2 o'clock in the morning and you said, I need some help, they're not the one that's going to say, well, what's your problem? And then evaluate whether or not they're coming or not. No, a true friend, if you call them at 2 o'clock in the morning, their only question is, where are you as they're getting dressed? Amen? That's a real friend. How many people in your life do you have like that? How many true friends do you have like that in your life? And how many people are you that kind of friend to in your life? Proverbs 17, 17, Solomon wrote these words. He said, a friend loves at all times, not just when it's convenient. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I would say true friends love and help those that are in need. Whenever they're in need, amen? That's a true friend. The third point is two are more comforting than one. You know that? Two can bring more comfort than one. Two are more comforting. Verse 11, Solomon says, Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Think about that. A lot of people refer this to married couples. Jumping in bed on a cold winter's night. Not so much in our household. When we jump into bed at, uh, on a cold winter's night, you know how cold those co- under the covers is when you first get in there? And then on top of that, Cheryl says, can I put my feet on your side of the bed? I'm thinking, no, keep those icy feet on your side of the bed. But within a few minutes, she's already warmed up. In a few minutes, she's kicking the covers off of her and me. Now I'm freezing to death. How many guys can relate to that? (laughs) More than all of us, probably. The truth is, God does give us partners in life. For married couples, he gives husbands and wives. In families, he gives brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and cousins. In life, he gives us friends and companions. And why are these relationships so important? They're important because there's power in numbers. There's strength in numbers. You see, there's actually, according to the Word of God, strength when a man finds a wife. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So wives are a blessing from the Lord. There's also strength when a man and a wife have children. Psalms 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. The Bible also said that children are to families as arrows are to archers. They give strength and confidence uh, to the family. I believe God understands because he created us. He understands why we need to keep each other company. He understands why we need companionship, relationship. And that was the whole reason he left heaven's uh, glorious luxuries and came to this earth in the form of his own son, Jesus Christ, to be with us, to be near us. That's why Jesus promises to never leave us nor forsake us. That's why Jesus uh, sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, not just when we need him, but to be with us all the time, every day, 24-7, the Holy Spirit is there. I go on a lot of hospital visits seeing people that are about to have surgeries or have had surgeries or in there that are sick. And almost in every hospital room that I've ever been in, they've got a chair. And usually it's sitting next to the bed. Usually. The hospital even promotes people coming in to sit in that chair. It's for the benefit of that person. Even the hospitals realize that you just being there, you don't have to say the most perfect prayer. Some people think, well, the pastor's got to go. No, he doesn't. You just being there means all the difference to that person. God designed us to need each other. So with that said, let me ask you, 
Who has ministered to you by their presence being around you? And who is God calling you to go minister to by your presence being around them? Sometimes you have to inconvenience yourself a little bit. Sometimes you have to go a little bit out of your way. But you could save a life. You could mend a life. You could bring God's healing, saving power into that person's life. Point number three, four, my last point. Three are even more powerful than two. That makes sense, right? A lot of this is just common sense stuff, but three are more powerful than two. Look what he says in the first part of verse 12. Solomon says, and if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. So two are stronger than one, right? Two are more powerful than one. In the military, and some of you military people might know this, there's a common phrase calls, I've got, call it, that goes, I've got your six. Anybody ever heard that? I've got your six. It actually, that means I've got your back. It actually originated by World War I fighter pilots who were referring to the rear of the plane as the six o'clock position in warfare, the most vulnerable part of the battle, the most vulnerable part of the airplane. Just think of it like this. If you're sitting in the middle of a face of a clock, you're looking straight ahead, that's a 12 o'clock position. Six o'clock position is right behind you. It's the most vulnerable uh, position when things are under attack. So when somebody tells you they've got your six, what are they saying? I've got your back. I'm watching out for you. What are they saying? Two are better than one. Two are safer than one when they're watching out for each other, when they're looking out for each other, when they're uh, sticking together. But get this, it gets even better if you have three watching out for you. Amen? I don't know if I have any Marines in here. Any Marines in here? I don't know if this is exactly true, but I heard one of the first things they learn in boot camp is how to dig a foxhole. They call it digging in. They're going to need to know that. And when they're taught to dig a foxhole, it's not only for one man, it's for two men, which carries out this principle I'm talking about today. Because when you and I are under attack in life, when you and I... Have somebody attack our character whenever they defile our reputation, whenever they try to uh, spread uh, slanderous lies and rumors about us? We need someone to step up and come to our aid, right? I've been in those situations, and I am so thankful for the friends that stepped up and came to my aid, came to my rescue. You know, friends will take up your part. Enemies will try to take you apart, amen? But friends will take up our part. Two are more powerful than one. Two are more powerful than one. That's why everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody, and we all need each other. It's undeniable from what Solomon has said, and even from the experience I had, that two are better than one, two are safer than one, two are warmer than one, two are stronger than one. But the math of that relationship, according to Solomon, gets even better when you get three in the picture, because three are better than two. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, second part of that verse. And a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. I've always loved that, that verse. A cord of three strands is not easily or quickly torn apart. Keep in mind, though, in verse 8, Solomon starts out talking about the number one. In verse 9, he starts talking about the number two. And in this verse, he's talking about the number three. Do you know what the strongest rope made is? A rope of three strands. You know, a single strand can be easily broken, right? We'd probably all agree on that. A double-stranded rope... A little harder to break, but it can still be broken. But a third-stranded rope, a three-stranded rope, cannot be easily or quickly broken. That's true about a rope. Guess what? That's true about relationships, especially about marriage. Oh, there are husbands and wives that just have a wonderful uh, marriage between uh, just husband and wife. But the strongest marriage ever created or designed was a marriage between a husband and a wife 
with God in the middle. I've included this uh, uh, verse in, in several wedding ceremonies before. But you can't get a stronger marriage than a marriage with God as that third strand in that three-stranded rope of life. Amen? Of marriage. God brings the strength, makes it unbreakable. I heard how the airline industry has suffered financially over the years, mainly because of skyrocketing fuel costs, um, also by contract changes, by things that have changed, money and jobs dwindling. But there's one job that has been more secure than any other jobs in that airline industry, and it's not the pilots, it's not the attendants, it's not the mechanics, it's not the highest positions out there, it's actually the men and women that walk around on the tarmac near the airport with the little orange batons in their hands. Anybody ever see those guys? Well, these guys, believe it or not, are indispensable. Oh, you've got these pilots that have all these talents, all this wisdom, and they can fly through for thousands of miles through all sorts of weather conditions. But guess what they can't do by themselves? Oh, they can land the plane to the, in the airport. They can't park the plane by themselves. Amen? Think about parking that big bird up near an airport. Uh, airport. There's a white J-line that these... Uh, helpers on the ground, this ground crew, guide this plane onto because the pilots are setting up in the, in the cockpit. They can't even see the line, so they depend on these guys. You've got a marshaller that's out front of the plane. You've got a wing walker to the right. You've got a wing walker to the left. And they guide this plane to be exactly where it needs to be in the center of this J-line so that they can hook up the bridge from the airplane to the airport. If they weren't in the right place, guess what would happen? Things wouldn't fit. You'd probably fall out of the airplane. Wouldn't be a pretty sight. So whenever you fly next time, maybe you'll remember this story. You may have flown a thousand miles, but when you land and get back to the airport, you realize you couldn't even got from the airplane into the airport if it hadn't been for the help of this ground crew with the little orange batons that maybe you make fun of. These guys actually get the plane in the right position. So maybe you'll realize that we couldn't even get to where we needed to go in our final destination with the help, without the help of others. You know, that's true physically in life. That's true in an airport. That's true physically in life in every challenge you face. And it's true spiritually in every uh, step of your spiritual journey that you walk And people, I tell you, never has there been a time when I think husbands and wives need to stick together. There's never been a time when family needs to stick together, when friends and companions need to stick together. There's never been a time in our history when the church of Jesus Christ needs to stand together. Because when I look around this world, I see it unraveling. I see it falling apart. I've never seen our world in my 50, 60 years of life be in such chaos. Especially our country. It's unraveling. More than ever, I believe, with that said, we need to remember the value and the importance, the benefits of real, genuine, true family and friends in our lives. And most of all, the most crucial relationship of all, that third strand in that three-stranded cord, our relationship with God Himself. I believe with all of my heart, if we can get that relationship with God in the right place, the other relationships will take care of themselves. God will bless those relationships because they'll be the right relationships. There might be some of you this morning. You're sitting here amongst a group of people, but maybe you're feeling lonely. Maybe you're feeling isolated. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Maybe you're feeling isolated. No one else knows it but you. 
Maybe you've never been lonely in your life, but you come in here and you're still smiling today, acting like life is perfect. Well, I know that it's not. And I know that every day I depend on my God to help me to put one foot in front of the other. I depend on my God to provide people that help me get to my destination. My God to provide wisdom to get to the right destination. My God to, depend, to provide everything that I need to get me where I need to go. So if you're feeling lonely this morning, you need to remember that every person here was created to be in a relationship with God our Father through His Son Jesus Christ. And if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, made Him Lord of your life, and reconciled that relationship to our Heavenly Father, you have a God-sized void in your life. You have a God-shaped void in your life that only God can fill. Solomon, with all of his money, riches, and power, tried to fill that void with money, with things, with people, with accomplishments, with jobs, success. But in the end, as you can see, he said, still life under the sun is all meaningless without God. So if you're living without God this morning, you need Him in your life. If you're living without God this morning in your life, He loves you beyond a love you can ever imagine or even dream of. But if you already love Him, I think He's pulling us closer today. I think with all of my heart, He's drawing you closer to love Him more and to realize His love more. That He wants to be that third strand in your life that will make your life, your family, your workplace, your school place, unbreakable. He will be your help, your strength, through whatever you need. So this morning, if that's you, if you'll just surrender, open up your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. You're going to find what real life is all about. What real joy is all about. What real fulfillment and peace, meaning and purpose is in your life. So if you're one of those people today, I encourage you, just open that heart. Invite Jesus to come in. I've said it over and over. We make it too darn hard. Jesus made it easy. He said, just look to the cross. Oh, it wasn't easy for him. It was the hardest thing you could ever imagine anyone ever going through. But He made it as easy as all we have to do is turn our faith upon Him to realize what He's done on that cross. So this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, never invited Him into your heart, I just want you to pray a simple prayer with me to invite Him in to be that Lord and God, Savior that He wants to be. Could you say this with me? Lord Jesus... I hear you knocking on the door of my heart. And I open my heart to you today. I open my life to you today. And I surrender. I ask you to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. To save me. To forgive me. Thank you for dying on that cross so that I could live. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe you're saved in the name of Jesus Christ by the promises that are in His Word this morning and forever. Father, I thank You for everyone that's in this place today. I thank You for lives that were just committed and recommitted to You in a fresh new way. Father God, I pray that You would use this message to help us see more clearly than ever before how much we need each other and how much we need You. Help us to realize that two is better than one and that three is a whole lot better than two. Lord God, I pray that you would help each of us to invite you into our lives to be that third strand of strength that makes our lives unbreakable. Father, strengthen us with your unity. Strengthen us as your church. 
to realize that all of us pulling together can get far more done than we could ever accomplish on our own. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would step into every heart and life represented here today and fill that void in the way that only you can fill. Father, we give this service to you. We give our lives to you. We give this week to you. May we go out and turn the world right side up for Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. If you believe that, say amen with me. Amen. Could you put your hands together and give God just 30 seconds of praise? Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, all that you're ever doing, all that you will do. We give you glory, praise, and honor. Go out and have an awesome week. God bless you all.